This is Herschel Gordon Lewis. If you know who I am, God help you. If you don't know who I am, God help you. But what you're watching here or listening to is without your head. And I can tell you that I have contributed to the loss of your head. So thank you for being there. station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil that would make me terrible troy mm. and we're joined by fx artist and filmmaker joe castro it's very cool oh. to have you here well, hey troy hey troy hey neil how's it going all is well good how about good. with you uh things are going good here i really appreciate and i'm very honored to be on your show today thank you for asking me yeah it's very cool Our pleasure you made a lot of cool stuff. We'll try to cover a lot of it. But uh, Xenophobia is out now, and he had the premiere last week. So how did the premiere go? Well, uh, yes, it's true. We had the premiere of uh, our 18th feature film. Uh, my partner, Steven Escobar, and I uh, co-produced the movie with a very talented friend of ours, Thomas J. Churchill. And um, the premiere went really well. It was probably the... Uh, it was the biggest premiere I've ever had in my life uh, of one of my films. And, um, you know, it was done in uh, classic Hollywood style at a big theater over in Hollywood. Uh, and um, it had a huge turnout. Oh, uh, nice. And um, I was uh, you know, surrounded by family and friends and um, some of my heroes in the in, in the filmmaking world. You know, Jackie Kong who directed The Bean and uh, Night Patrol and Blood Diner 
was nice. like literally sat next to me <laughs> in the theater and uh, is my good friend. She came with her daughter, Emma Rose, and, uh, and some close friends. Uh, and, um, and then Kevin Tenney, who directed uh, Night of the Demons and uh, Witchboard uh, was there. And, um, you know, I just was surrounded by, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the cast and crew uh, of the film. And I, I, I just um, I couldn't have been any happier, you know. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Is, uh, yeah. Now, since you've had, you know, lots of uh, movies, you said this 18th uh, feature. Um, but do you still get nervous like before uh, your movie premieres, before you see the movie on the big screen with a group of people? Well, see, the, the, what made it so... So, uh, you know, if it was just my, my friends and the cast and all that, it would, it, I wouldn't have gotten so nervous. But I was literally, you know, Jackie Kong uh, is the, uh, was the youngest female director in Hollywood at the time. She directed her first feature film. The, uh, she was the youngest ever at that time. She was 21 years old. She was an Asian, young Asian girl who directed uh, The Being, which was a, just a straight up horror creature feature. And um, she, uh, I was 13 years old when I saw that movie. And to have her sitting next to me at, at this premiere, I, and I knew she could tell I was so nervous with her sitting next to me. I tried for like 10 minutes to like bring my breathing down and just <laughs> relax. Uh, but uh, once I started like, you know, talking with her a little bit as the movie was going on, I was pointing out stuff. And, you know, we started talking about about what was going on and we started laughing and, you know, hollering and and. Uh, and enjoying the film together, I was able to relax a little bit more. But uh, like yeah. I said, I mean, it's it's one thing to make a movie and have people support you, but then to have someone that you idolize sitting next to you in the theater at the premiere is a whole other different story. And uh, it was just one of those bucket list moments. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I think watching your stuff, it always comes through that you do love the genre and you love, you know, crazy monsters and all this stuff. So how old were you when you like you got into monster movies or horror movies in general, I guess? Well, um, you know, I was seven years old when I saw my first movie by myself. Like, you know, my dad sat me in front of the TV and said, watch this. You're going to like it. My mom uh, was away for the weekend with her girlfriends uh, on. A, I think she was on a, on a trip and um he was babysitting me. I was seven years old and I was, um, uh, it was a Saturday afternoon and, uh, he was, uh, doing yard work, uh, cutting firewood on our, on our ranch. And, um, I was, I, he, he sat me in front of the TV and we watched God. He, he let me watch Godzilla versus the smog monster. And, um, oh, that's, you awesome. know, it was like, it was like, he was like, you know, like a, like a, you know, like back then it would be like two hours, you know, with lots of commercials in between were advertisement. So he knew I would be babysat for like two hours in front of the TV. <laughs> and he knew that I would really like it because I was really into dragons and dinosaurs at the time. And um, and sure enough, you know, when I when I saw that film, when I was done that afternoon, I just didn't want it to stop. And I I knew exactly what I wanted to do, you know. Yeah. So when did you start, like, you know, making your own things? Was I was uh, I was uh, I, I I was always, you know making stuff as i as as a child i would make like paper mache masks i i you know like my mother and my father always uh uh paid for like me to be educated in the stuff that i really enjoy you know art classes and puppet classes and uh and these were like very elaborate puppets so we like i would like hand build 
these very elaborate puppets uh, with a, a woman in San Antonio, Texas. She taught like this huge class. There were probably 40 students in the class. And uh, I was like five years old when I was doing that. And then when like by the time I was seven, I was uh, making, you know, paper mache masks and stuff from the techniques I learned in the puppet class. And then when I was 10 years old, my mother bought me a um, like a, co- a college level art book. Um, and uh, by the time I was 12 years old, I had actually made everything in that in that art book. Uh, every 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 uh, like, uh, you know, uh instruction every different example every every guide they had there was all kinds of different um, uh techniques and tools that they that they would ask the students to use to build something in it and um and then uh you know by that time you know fangoria and um famous monsters of filmland was out on the market along with starlog magazine and uh you know they used to interview special effects artists in those magazines and some sometimes the artists would divulge their techniques and whatnot and uh, by the time I was 12 years old, I was already into Fangoria and all that. And um, I uh, uh, I met a cousin of mine. His name was Eddie Perez. He was actually a fraternal twin with a, with a guy named Ernest Perez. And uh, they were my third cousins. And they, they were 33 when I was 12. And um, they uh, were horror fanatics. Nice. And I met, I met them at a, a family reunion, a big, huge family reunion. And... Uh, I never never met him before. They were third cousins, and I started chit chatting with Eddie. And like six hours later, we were still talking. You know exactly how it goes down. You go to a horror convention, yeah. You sit down talking to a whole bunch of horror, horror horror squids, and like six hours later, y'all are like going at it full steam, like you did when you first started talking. And um, and he's like, "Hey, let's hang out. You know, we'll, we'll go see some horror movies." And um, he bought me my first the the first book that taught me how to make a rubber mask, and that was Cinemagic. Uh, I think it's issue number. I'll, I'll Google it right now, but um, yeah, it's, it was called Cinemagic at the time. And basically, what it was was it was you know it was a, it was a it was a magazine in print, a forum where young budding special effects artists could and filmmakers could talk to each other and mm-hmm. uh, and share their ideas and their techniques of how they were building stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is before you know pre-internet, so you know if oh, you yeah, wanted this, to learn yeah. this, it's a lot you know more difficult to find like how to uh, do anything. Right, you know, and like, um, you know, like like, well, uh, what I'm trying to say, like, you know, I would literally have to like hand write letters to people, you know, but yeah. in, in Cinemagic, you could um, you could correspond with a subscription to other people that are reading the magazine too, and you could put an ad out in the magazine and uh you could get uh people to uh to, to write back to you you know and um yeah let me see here i'm, I'm, I'm trying to google cinemagic magazine to find out what issue it was because that's the first thing people ask me they're like where do i begin joe what do you suggest and like you know i i, I wonder how many people that ask me that question are serious about asking me that and i'm like um well, if you're really serious, you can start where I started. And I literally send them like the link to Cinemagic issue number six. It's on the on the cover. It shows a, a man wearing a rubber alien mask and it says bringing your alien to life. <laughs> uh, and it's basically a, in this magazine. It gives you uh, pictures and specific uh, techniques and instructions on how to make your first full head rubber mask. And I say, find that magazine online, 
do the work. And when you're done, send me some pictures. I want to see what you do. Yeah. And if you can do that, then I know you're serious about this thing. And I'd be more than happy to, to talk with you more about special effects. Yeah. And that's come full circle. It's, it's crazy that the uh, the cover of that magazine is an alien head. And yes. now you have an alien movie out, you know. Are you familiar with that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Neil. I'm gonna send you the uh, the picture so you can see uh, what yeah. I'm looking at. And um, yeah, that magazine changed my life. And my my cousin Eddie bought me that magazine on my birthday, on my 12th birthday. He took me to a, a, a like a Dungeons and Dragons, we uh, call it collectible store in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, they, they had carried all these horror magazines and comics and whatnot. And uh, he said, pick out some magazines, whatever you want for your birthday. And I, I found that issue there at that, at that store. And he bought me that, that, uh, that magazine. I also got a uh, Fangoria issue number one that, that year. I remember it was a back issue and they had it there at the oh, store. Wow. Yeah. With Godzilla, on awesome. the, with, with Godzilla on the front. So who, who, who would have ever guessed Godzilla is on issue number one of the very first Fangoria, which is where I started. And then, uh, you know, Cinemagic, uh, the, the alien and then, uh, kind of bring it you said full circle to today so yeah yeah that's pretty sweet so uh one of the things i noticed too about uh xenophobia is uh when you first see the aliens like right away in the in the uh, opening really is it's out right in the broad daylight is, is that harder to do because you don't you can't like hide anything you know in the shadows well that opening story and scene was written and directed by my partner 21 years steven escobar who actually was the executive producer for the film. And, um, you know, he, um, we, 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 uh, we always wanted to go out in the desert and shoot something. And he, he wrote that scene. And I think, uh, I, I don't really, I don't really think that we ever even considered that it would be a challenge to shoot it outside in the daytime. I mean, I have seen lots of sci-fi films back in the eighties and uh it was out you know in the in the desert in broad daylight i mean look at the star look at star wars you that's know true, when, yeah. when he went when uh luke's home planet and uh and that's really what the whole film is about it's a celebration of like the practical special effects of aliens from the 80s and 70s and especially the aliens that rick baker did in the cantina scene for the original star wars yeah yeah, yeah i see them i see the magazine now that's pretty awesome yeah, yeah. If you get that magazine and you can find it as a back issue on uh, on eBay or Amazon, that magazine can teach a twelve year old how to make a rubber mask. That's awesome. Yeah. So, if a you know like a, like a twenty a twenty or thirty year old uh, per, uh, uh, fan on on Facebook will ask me how to start, and I'll say go find that magazine and they will teach you how to uh, where to begin because yeah. uh, it basically gives you all the fundamentals of making a special effect. Uh, making a special effect face, making a life cast of someone, sculpting it, making a mold of it, pouring it up in rubber. Yeah. 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 Did I see stop motion in uh, in xenophobia? Stop motion. There wasn't any stop motion in xenophobia. No, we didn't have any stop motion. All the there was a scene that almost looked like it. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, 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 there was probably a little bit of digital mixed in with it that maybe gave it a jerky movement. Was there mm-hmm. anything that I, I was going to say? Steven. Steven, do we have anything that was stop motion like in the movie? No, no, no. So yeah, um, right. but um, yeah, no. I, I, I mean, I, I, I would love to use stop motion in, in, in xenophobia too if we get a chance to, to do that. I know there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of new techniques that have come a long way with stop motion that makes it look amazing. So uh, maybe that's a that's a, a a challenge for xenophobia too. I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of cool people in there. My buddy uh, Nick Principe. So it's good to see him in something. And, yes. Uh, Nick, Brink. Uh, yes. Go on with and Brink. Brink. Yeah. <laughs> I consider Nick and Brink family. You know, uh, I, I work with uh, Brink on almost every one of my films. One of every one of our films, and uh, and Nick just he knows if you need someone to play big, uh, scary and creepy, you call Nick Principe, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and so that my, that that um, the story that he's in is called Doomsday. It was written for him, you know. I, I wrote that that part for him. Nick was also in another movie that my partner and I produced called The Summer of Massacre, and. Um, uh, Nick plays a, a, a very, very just strange character. All I have to say about that, and I want everybody to go see it. It's called The Summer of Massacre. And he, he, I went, when I, I didn't even write the script. What I did, I went and I met him in Hollywood for the first time at, I think, a Barnes and Noble that had a, a Starbucks in it. We sat and had coffee, and I said, "Hey, I want to write this like, script. Of course, you're going to be playing a girl in it." And uh, most people, most people haven't seen it. They don't know. They don't know that he's done this. I want you to play it. You're going to play a girl. And uh, but I want to know if you're comfortable doing it. If you're not comfortable doing it, I'm not even going to write it. That's what I told him. He goes, no, 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 I got to do it. I want to do it. So, um, uh, yeah, you should check it out if you haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, I have it. I definitely would. I like Nick. Uh, it, the movie is called December of Massacre. And mm -hmm. it, uh, it actually uh, has the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slasher movie. My partner oh. and I have the, have the Guinness Book of World Record today for the for the highest body count in a slasher movie. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Steve, where, where can they can they get the Summer Massacre on Amazon? On, oh. where, where can they get it at? On Amazon Prime? Just on Amazon. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. It's also on Amazon. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. The, and uh, I saw that uh, Brink's going to be uh, directing Terror Tunes 4 for uh, dir yes. directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I hired uh, my partner and I hired Brink to uh, direct a portion of Terror Tunes 4, which is a directorial debut. It's a movie called Personal Demons. It's been finished now for over a year. Uh, the rest of the movie needs to be finished, though. But her portion of it is done. And um, I'm hoping to get it out before the end of the year. Uh, but it would be great if it was out for as a Christmas present. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get involved? Uh, like, uh, what was the first time you worked with Brink? Did, did you guys, like, have, uh, like, working chemistry right away? Well, you know, Brink and I met when I won a special effects contest, a national special effects contest here in the United States. And it was put on by Monsterland magazine, which was, uh, like, a rebirth of famous monsters of Filmland. And um, Forrestie Ackerman made the magazine. And oh, wow. they made a contest. I was uh, 14 years old when the magazine came out. And uh, when I was 15, I won this contest. And um, uh, they flew me out to Los Angeles to meet with, like, Joe Dante and John Carl Beekler. Wow. Doug, Beth Doug Bestwick was working on Evil, Evil, Evil Dead 2 at the time. They had I saw the head in the shop. Uh, I saw the stop-motion animation models uh, that they used for Evil Dead 2. And... Um, you know, I went to the set of Inner Space and met with Robert Picardo from The Howling, and uh, uh, it was great. And I was 15 years old, but the highlight of the trip was I got to have my picture taken to be in the magazine as the winner. And they they took me to this house in West Hollywood where the photographer was going to take a picture of me 
and Brink Stevens, who was going to become the mascot for the magazine. Her name was Evola. That was the character that Brink was playing. So I met Brink that day, and, um, you know, uh, we've always been friends ever since then. You know, wow. we've always been friends. Yeah. And uh, we started, we, well, the first time I directed her was in Terror Tunes 2. And then, um, and ever since then, I, I, I've tried to use her in every movie that we, we, we uh, produced. Yeah. Yeah. But when you, when you created, uh, when you first, like, start thinking of uh, Terror Tunes, like, how long was it like in your mind before you actually, you know, oh get my a gosh. chance to make it? Tunes happened so fast. Really? I can't even begin to tell you how fast it happened. I, I don't think we had more than a month of writing the script to actual principal photography uh, for, to be done. It, like literally, we my part of my my my, my uh, co-writer at the time was Rudy Bali. He was actually my best friend from high school. And uh, Rudy and I wrote the script, the first draft of the script, which is the only draft, and um, based on a story that I came up with. And then I think we had like a week or two. Like uh, Mark B. Lobos sculpted the two character heads that are in the film, and I think he had a week to make those heads. And then uh, we we shot it like like literally the day the, the the next day after the masks were done. That's how how fast the turnaround was. In fact, I think that night. Mark didn't even sleep. He drove to the set with the masks, still, you know, drawing from all the chemicals and put it on uh, uh, Matt Folletta's head to play Dr. Carnage on in front of the blue screen set because Dr. Carnage is green. We couldn't shoot him in front of a green screen set. Right. So we had to go back to the blue. And uh, the, the blue screen set was something that Steven Escobar, my partner, built in the executive producer's garage. We just painted um, uh, drywall. We went and got some cheap drywall. And we made a, a flat surface and we just painted it blue screen green. I mean, blue. And, and you yeah. can get that paint from like, um, you know, uh, a Sherman Williams here in L.A. It's like like movie movie studio blue screen. They have a color in, 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 a, in, a, in a can already. <laughs> so so is it so quick. Was it just like you had the visuals in your head and like, uh, we'll write a script well, for this? We, we, we shot the movie in three days. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, are you familiar with that. The entire no, movie was, I, I know the, the movie, but I wasn't familiar yeah. you did it so quick. The, the entire movie was shot in three days. It was shot over Easter weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in 2000. And um, wait, see, was it shot in 2000 or 2001? Forget. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, um, you know, it was, it happened really fast. Like I said, I think we had one. One read through, and um, the whole movie was made for twenty three hundred dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, the whole movie was made for twenty three hundred dollars, and yeah. uh, actually, I came in under budget. <laughs> I had twenty five hundred dollars, and I only spent twenty three hundred <laughs> to make the film. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there were like eight copies of every uh, of the movie in every blockbuster in America, and then every Hollywood video had I don't know how many copies. Netflix, Best Buy, Walmart, Kate Mart, all of them. And this is when they used to sell VHS and DVD at the same time. So uh, it was kind of a big deal. You know, it was this $2,300 movie and it was sitting right on the shelf next to Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, (laughs) it was just back back when everybody was digital. You know, no one had cell phones that shot video yet like that. So not everybody was making digital movies, but it was a digital film. It was shot on Beta SP. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, how did that movie like that change 
life at the time. Say that again. Uh, you know, getting your movie at Blackstar. How do how does Terror Tunes uh, change change your life at the time? Getting it, you know, when Blockbuster and all these things. Does that open well, up like know, a lot of new doors for you? Oh yeah, I mean, th- when that film came out, you know, everybody that knew about it was just a small group of people that made it, and you know, I was still a working special effects artist here in Hollywood. But when it was released in Blockbuster, I mean, it was an average Friday night for all of America to go to Blockbuster Video and rent a movie. That's what America was doing at the time. So literally everybody saw it on the video shelf. And uh, and uh, I'm not going to say I became a household name, but the movie itself was everywhere and everybody knew about it at that time. And, um, you know, when we made Terror Tunes 2, we, uh, we self-distributed Terror Tunes 2. And um, there were people from, like, uh, The Simpsons that, that purchased it from us and, you know, different places we knew. That Disney and The Simpsons and 20th Century Fox, these people were purchasing copies of it online, you know, not online, but they were, I don't know, I don't even know how he sold it. Yeah, 2007. Yeah, we had a website up and they were purchasing it because the mailing addresses were to the, the offices of the, the Simpsons here in Hollywood, the, the 20th Century Fox, to wherever. And, um, and everybody wanted to see what we were doing, you know. I think the yeah. first film was kind of very innovative. I mean, you look at it today and you're like, yeah, I can do all that stuff on Instagram and Snapchat. Or whatever, but in two, in the year two thousand, no one was doing what we were doing. Yeah. So, um, for you personally, do you? I don't know if it, it, maybe there's not, not even a preference, but if you're creating something from your own like imagination, like monsters for terror tunes, uh, do you prefer that, or do you prefer like if you're making a monster for for a movie that you didn't write, and they have like a vision of what they want to see? Do you have a preference between the two? Well, I think that as long as the director is happy, I'm happy. I don't really have a preference. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's um, it could be a challenge to work with the director that doesn't know what they want until they see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also part of the fun to work with the director that, that doesn't know what they want until they see it. And yeah. uh, it depends how you look at it. You know, is the glass half, half, is the glass half full or is it half empty? Um, and I, 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 you know. One of the things that I that, that that's the most painful aspect of what I do is doing something that's really amazing and then bringing it to a production, a director that doesn't know how to photograph it or doesn't know how to use it. And it's lost. And I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me, even with people that we that you and I probably know that think they're amazing directors that don't know what they're doing when it comes to photographing a great special effect. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. And it's happened enough that now I know better to not have my expectations so high. Uh, or the flip side of that is now when I'm working with uh, low-budget productions, I insist that I be the director of special effects if I'm going to be doing something where, you know, I have... Uh, uh, they're asking me to do something that's going to take a lot of time and effort for, you know... Uh, I'm not going to say a subpar amount of money, but just, you know, I'm working with them to give, give them what they need. Then they're going to have to listen to me to make sure it's photographed the way that I want it to be photographed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's your, your creation. You want it, uh, uh, no matter what the movie's like, at least, uh, you, you know, the stuff you make to be seen well. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. My, it still has to look good and sound good and be good if, my, if it's going to represent me and my name's going to be on it. Yeah. 
So uh, one of the people I grew up watching uh, films of is Herschel Gordon Lewis, and uh, you worked on um, on Blood Feast Two, and uh, you you knew him very well. So how how did you get in contact with with Herschel? Mm. Well, you know, the whole thing was basically all the stars aligned and it was fate. Um, what happened was in uh, early uh, right after I did Terror Tunes, I um, I was uh, working for a special effects company and I was then I was doing my own stuff. And um, uh, one of uh, one special effects company that I had worked for, they decided that the budget that was set aside to do the special effects for Blood Feast 2 wasn't realistic and i pretty much believed they gave it to me because they 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 wanted to see they wanted to see um they wanted to see if it could be done they want or 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 they they wanted to see what would happen if they gave it to someone like me and uh you know they weren't really concerned about the uh the film itself they just thought that it was realistic it, I did all the special effects for five grand, which is actually pretty good money for a slasher film for, for, you know, uh, but there was a lot of stuff to be done. And, um, uh, I, I, I didn't look, take, I didn't look at it that way. I, I look at it like I'm doing the special effects for the sequel to the very first slasher movie ever, which is blood feast. It has to be good. I want it to be impressive. And what I did was I made, a couple of select pieces that were amazing with that money. I made a head, a female torso, and some female appendages because I knew there was going to be a whole bunch of girls dying. Yeah, I spent my money wisely on that. And then I had George Shell, who is a famous painter and sculptor. I had him airbrush those pieces so they looked amazing. And then when I showed up on set with them, uh, you know, all we had to do was switch out the wigs on the head I made and the head could represent several different girls and the torso could represent several different girls and the arms could, and the hands could represent several different girls. So I had these amazing pieces that we could mix and match uh, as opposed to having to make a separate one for each girl and then blowing your whole wad of money on a whole bunch of different pieces. And um, and it worked really well. And then Herschel was really impressed. With the way I went about spending the budget, and I was still able to, to turn a profit even from that, and um, uh, it, it began this beautiful relationship between Herschel and I. In fact, when I showed up on set, they drove me from the airport to set to work on a scene. That's how quickly the the, the shooting was going. Wow! <laughs> Herschel said, uh, "I need a uh, I need a knife sticking out of the girl's chest, uh, like she's been stabbed in the back, and it's coming out her front." And he he said, "What do we got?" I said. Uh, well, do you want the knife to be this big or this big? I showed him with my hands. He said, yeah. well, what are we prepared for? And I said, whatever you want. That's what I'm going to make happen. <laughs> and from that moment on, we were best friends. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And he's a, he's a great salesman because even um, even some movies I'm not necessarily interested in because he did some stuff that like like uh, like the bike uh, biker movies with like uh, the butch women and stuff. But just to list, I would listen to him just for his commentary because I think he's like he he has my favorite commentary tracks. And by oh, the he's end, the most of eloquent him, guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Listen to him talk about anything. And by the oh, end oh, of him, no matter yeah. what what the movie was like, you would think, man, this is he made a masterpiece. <laughs> the way yep. he was talking about the movie, you know. Another fun fact: a lot of people don't know about 
uh, before Herschel passed, I, um, uh, my partner and I had a chance to talk with him and interview him on camera. And, um, during that interview, he divulged to me the, uh, original recipe for the blood that he used in the original <laughs> blood feeds oh, film. That's awesome. So I, um, I, I cherish that knowledge and I normally mix up a small batch of it and bring it to the movies that I worked on and show everybody the Herschel Gordon Lewis blood. And I <laughs> oh, will add it to tremendous. a couple of shots. And I, you know, I kind of blessed the set with Herschel. <laughs> I love in remembrance of, That's I, like, I mean, we yeah. wouldn't be making, we wouldn't be making blood, blood red movies if Herschel hadn't done it first. Most yeah, that's people like holy not. water you that's have right, right there. Right. Exactly. I mean, most people don't know that Herschel Gordon Lewis was the first man to ever exploit color red blood in the cinema. It was literally considered rated X to show blood red, red blood on movie cameras before Herschel did it. In fact, Blood Feast 1, the original Blood Feast, was considered pornographic when it, when it came out. So he shot the film and Hollywood not, would not distribute it because they considered it pornographic. So what he did was he would went around the country and on Sunday afternoons during the matinee time at porno theaters, he would rent out the theater and he would put ads in the paper and people would come see the film. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, since there, you do you do a lot of mix of both uh, gore effects and like uh, like monsters, creatures, that kind of stuff. Do you have a preference between the two, or are they just equally fun for you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to be 50 next year. I pretty much have killed everybody in every way possible <laughs> over the years. <laughs> I do have the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in the slasher movie, and I do like to pour blood, but I don't like to make people uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. I don't like to make a mess anymore. And uh, but I do it well. People pay me to make a bloody mess. Um, I, I can't say, I mean, I really enjoy making creatures. I really do. And it never gets old because uh, fantasy is, is forever. You know, it's, it's never ending. Uh, when it comes to doing uh, the blood stuff these days, you know, I, I'm real particular about doing stuff that looks realistic. I have to use a lot of photo reference whenever I make uh, the, 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 the gore that I'm doing now. You know, maybe six, ten years ago, I was doing the, you know, I call it like the trash can gore, you know, you throw some, you, you just, it's just slop, you know, it could be anything, oatmeal, blood, whatever, slime, goo, whatever. Uh, but these days I try to do things that look absolutely realistic and, you know, Googling pictures of people with their throats ripped out and their faces torn off is not always a pleasant task, you know, to look at actual people, but I do, I, I will go out of my way and I will find pictures online and I will study it and I will make sure that I bring whatever is real in that picture to my makeup effects. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of nice gore and half cocked, which is uh, coming up to John, genre blast. I, yes. I got to give a shout out to the, the people that produce half cocked. It was, uh, it was one of those uh, bucket list things. You know, I love comedy, but to be able to do a, a comedy with actual realistic gore uh, is always a real treat as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. like, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I believe Michael uh, Michael Epstein and Sophia Cassiola uh, produced that. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah. We also made my short uh, a cheap plug for myself, Umbilicus Desidera, which will also be at Ronda Blast. So very excited. Very cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Please send me a link when you get a chance. I'd love to see it. Yeah, well, definitely. And uh, what else was um, 
uh, uh, cool about that one is there's a nice uh, reference. I don't want to spoil it because it's short, but there's a nice uh, reference to Reanimator in the movie. Excellent. Excellent. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I also have to mention, because he was on last week, and, he, and he'll yell at me if I don't mention it, but It Wants Blood by James Balsamo, and the monster this is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, James, it's a, it's a real treat working with James. He has a very creative mind, and uh, uh, I was honored to make the creature for It Wants Blood. Uh, the I do love that creature, I got to say. Thank you very much. Now, another, another young man uh, actually designed the creature on paper first mm-hmm. and that was given to me and then i used that design to 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 build it to construct it so it's not my original design it's something that james and him came up with together and then also um i know there's another young man that made an actual stop motion model of the creature in the film so uh i, I can't take full credit for all the creature effects in the film i did construct the the full scale creature head and i and i do do a lot of the blood work in the end of the film so and i'm very proud and honored to have been able to work with james on that and i hope to do more with him we have like minds i think yeah yeah, yeah he's a very fun guy uh, one last question here uh, it's a uh, sent in from douglas apps and so basically he's asking what's the best way to remove makeup and glue because <laughs> when he when he was making when he was making xenophobia he had a uh, burn so he's covered with burns not real burns you know, yeah me. yeah and uh he was uh, he was told either witch hazel or sugar and so he went and got a bunch of brown cane sugar from Starbucks. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell stuff. him that. I didn't uh-huh. tell him that. I didn't tell him that. Yeah. So what happened was, um, so uh, to be honest with you, I had never worked with gelatin on human skin in my entire career of thirty-seven years, and I decided to do uh, some burn makeups for xenophobia. And uh, what I did was I. Uh, I asked uh, the a young man that worked at the special effects shop uh, house where our, our the special effects store where I bought the gelatin to come to set. I paid him to uh, to be an assistant on set and do some of the burn makeups. And then I had two other uh, artists come, uh, my friend Lisa Lex and Elise uh, Blair come and uh, do burn makeups on victims as well. And we all use this gelatin material. Uh, and uh, Douglas was the person that I put the makeup on. And, you know, these 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 uh, these uh, actors showed up. They had no idea what they were going to do. They had no idea we were going to cover them in in warm gelatin, and uh, and uh, and they just were you know with it and for it. And uh, and Douglas let me cover his whole head in gelatin. I, I think I put a ball cap on him as well. But I glued down the ball cap with another material that no one else used. And as I went through the night directing the actors and working with them, once Douglas and the other burn victims were done, I sent them back to the makeup chairs to get their makeup taken off. And I wasn't there. and No one knew what glue I used to glue down his ball cap with. So he went home thinking that he could just take a shower and wash that glue off. Meanwhile, 24 hours later, he's like, Joe, how do I get this black ring around my forehead off? I'm like, what is it? He goes, I think it's the glue or the gelatin. I went, oh my gosh, they they, they didn't uh, they didn't use the uh, the specific remover. I used this uh, glue called Snappy G, and um, uh, there's a specific remover to remove it with. So I drove over to the restaurant where him and the guys were hanging out, and in the parking lot took off his took off the glue. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, and he's rubbing well, he's sugar on it, trying to get it off. Yeah, yeah. So, someone told him, yeah, I, I didn't give him that. That <laughs> somebody else. So, uh, very good. 
Well, uh, let's see here. So Xenophobia is out now on video on demand, and I believe you can also get the Blu-ray or DVD on uh, on Amazon. That's right. It's available on DVD at the moment. It's on all the home media platforms. I'm talking like all of them. Uh, and, um, you know, I think uh, it's something that everybody really, uh, if you really are into like sci-fi, alien, Star Wars, any uh, thrillers uh, and practical effects, you're going to love this. It's on all the U.S. cable providers, DirecTV, AT&T, Dish, Comcast, Spectrum, Charter, Cox, Verizon, F- iOS, uh, Frontier, Suddenlink, Mediacom, Century, Link, Google Fiber, and like 200 smaller affiliates. Uh, you can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft, Xbox, Voodoo, Fandango Now, Amazon VOD. I think that's it. But that's enough. I mean, it's everywhere. You have no reason yeah. not to check it out. And um, there's some really cool original stuff in this movie that people have never mm-hmm. seen before. And uh, uh, when we saw it in Hollywood, and Hollywood's a tough audience to please. Uh, it was it was it was an audience full of my my industry professional peers. They were screaming and hollering at one point, and uh, they, I think they really got it. They were really entertained by it. So I'm hoping that it entertains a lot of people out there. Check it out. And uh, hit me up on Facebook and say hello. Let me know what you think about it. Very cool. Yeah, it's a very fun movie. With tons of awesome, uh, uh, like some practical effects, cool monsters, cool alien stuff. And uh, it's the kind of movie I enjoy. And I think uh, people listening to the show will, will dig it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank yeah. you very much, Troy, for listening. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. And, yeah, uh, it's been a you know, of fun. When, when something, uh, your next cool thing comes out, it'd be fun to have you back on. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, both of you. And if you have any links of anything you want me to check out, please send them my way. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care, guys. Take care, have a beautiful All rest right. of your Thursday. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. The world, crippled by these events, waited for the first sign of an invasion from outer space.
everybody. This is James Balsamo. Heads are going to roll when you're listening to Without Your Head. <laughs> All right. And we're back here once again Without Your Head. I'm still asking you. I remain terrible, Troy. I was just checking. I thought we missed a call, but we did not. Oh. So sorry, I was distracted there briefly. But yes, Station of Decapitation, Terrible One, The Nasty One, That's the, true. Uh, the Beheading Brothers. Oh, I dig that. Was that just a spur-of-the-moment thing? It was. It nice. Was. Nicely done. Yeah. So I just saw this, and the, the, the Internet's in an uproar. Oh, what's what's going They're on now? always in an uproar. Uh, they so, are always about something. Usually yeah. something stupid. Oh, yeah, it's so stupid. Okay. Uh, so the first, you know, um, MCU uh, X-Men movie's coming out. X-Men First Class. Nice. And they're in talks uh, to have Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito, who played, you know, the guy who owns the, the chicken uh, place. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. They want him to play Magneto. Oh, that's awesome. Which I think is perfect. Yep. He's an awesome actor. He's a little bit of an older guy. He really fits yep. in. But the, the internet is, is, is appalled because he's not a white man. Oh, my God. It's very important that Magneto is a white guy. Because it really has a lot <laughs> to do with the character. Oh, without a doubt. Because you can't master magnetism unless you're a white guy. Right, right. Maybe Charlie. Nobody's going to buy it. You know, like, nah, man, come on. This guy can't master magnetism. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. This crazy. I mean, this guy's a good actor. It makes no sense. No, I love that guy. Oh, I think that's yeah. that's great. That's bad. Yeah, it's great actor. You could do a lot worse guy. than him. So, well, I will. I, maybe I stand corrected. Someone had, uh, brings this up. Magneto is a Jew that survived the Holocaust. And that's very important to the character. Well, that I okay, but if you're writing the character for a movie in 2019, unless he's like a hundred, that's yep. probably not going to be part of his backstory. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to have to change it up a little bit. Right, right. All right, but at least that one ha- that person has a legitimate reason. Yep, it would actually change part of the, the backstory. So I, I will, I will give that person props. Yep, for having an actual reason, anyway, as opposed to people just mad that their card, well, their comic book guy, because a, a brown skinned guy is going to play some character. Right. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I'm looking for that. Sounds good. I like yep. it. It'd be nice to see like an actual uh, X Men movie. I know. I think they deserve it. It's been it, yeah. it, almost as much as as the poor Fantastic Four deserve it. Probably, probably not quite that bad. Yeah. Yep. Last few and up and good. No, no. If not for um, I think that uh, standalone Logan movie, uh, I would yeah, I would have said movie. that you know the poor X Men deserve something, but I think because of that one. Then I, I think the FF deserve, you know, the movie more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, we can't talk about the movie. Oh, secrets! I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about what I think of the movie. But Three from Hell is coming out. The third. Is that this month or next month? 
Is it next month? Maybe it is next month. Yeah, oh, it's okay. September. You're right. So it's next month. But we at some point, I, I'm not sure exactly when, uh, we will have Richard Brake on the show. Awesome. Very exciting. Uh, awesome. 31. I, in my opinion, the best character. I think that's pretty much universal, the best character of 31. No matter mm-hmm. if you like or dislike the movie, I think right. he's the standout of the movie. And uh, the Night King, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Just like a kind of a spooky man, I think. He is. He is a very uh, creepy looking man. He's uh he's kind of gaunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, he it's cool. Um I actually I can't talk about the movie because I'll get sued or something, but <laughs> the, uh, I I will just say um I think him even before I saw the movie, I thought the idea of him and Bill Mosley together on screen would work. Oh yeah. Yep, I agree. Because there's something even about their physical look that I think uh, they play off each other well. Mm-hmm. And, and even as actors, I think they're, they're similar types of actors. Mm-hmm. Yep, no doubt. I can't, I can't really say enough. But uh, Tales from the Hood 3 is coming in 2020. Wow, 3, huh? Yeah, so they didn't wait like 20 years between sequels uh- like last <laughs> I enjoyed part two. It's not a perfect movie by by any means. Right, right. I but, agree. Uh, but I, I dug it. I thought it was a fun uh, kind of a throwback horror movie. And it's got, you know, uh, topical, you know, social <laughs> uh, commentary, just like the first one. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff didn't work so well for me, but so, some of the uh, some of the shorts did. I think I think actually the uh, the kind of the, the book ended thing didn't work so great for me right right but uh but overall I enjoyed it i thought it was fun and i do think tales from the hood the first one is uh i always thought it was underrated but it seems like uh people are starting to like it more oh really okay because i never really heard much about it i always enjoyed it too yeah i didn't either until just recently it seems like the oh, last couple okay. of years people started to talk about it. maybe because of the second one came out they, yeah they that could be does seem that way. Uh, there's a lot of movies like that because I, when I grew up, no one liked Halloween three, mm-hmm. and now it's almost like you're in the minority if you don't like Halloween three. I know it's true. Yeah, when people people always seem shocked, like if they're like, "Wow, you know, like I've always liked this movie," and like, "Yeah, so did I." Like, whoa. So there's a uh, Tom Savini biography you can pre-order. Oh no, kidding. Very cool. From uh, Dark Ink Books. It's a limited edition. Well, that should be a lot of fun then. But it's uh, 75 bucks. Wow. A lot of those smaller like publishing companies. And it, it's kind of that, that thing where I love books. I love, you know, like a nice physical book. And, you know, like usually when you get like a small publishing company, they're really well made. The binding's real nice. You can tell there's a, you know, a definite human element to it. But man, I wish they weren't quite so pricey. Yeah, it's, see, I agree. And it's, but then I think about it, it's like maybe it's just they have to do that. Yeah, it because could be. Like if if not, like maybe just they can't like really release like this like a a whole bunch of these. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to buy it. Which is unfortunate. I think people would be interested in a in a Tom Savini biography, but 
So I guess you know at least it's collectible. But there's only a thousand uh, a thousand thirteen hand numbered copies. Oh wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to sign the, the autograph, I mean, if you're going to pay 75 for bucks for a book anyway, you might as well get the autograph version for 100 Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, just a 25 buck increase there. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, I probably won't get it. Not because I'm kind of, well, I don't say I'm cheap, but that's a lot. But I would be very interested in reading it. So oh, I mean, yeah. Hopefully they put yep. out like a, an audio version or something. Yeah, you never know. That that would be kind of interesting, especially if he'd read it himself. Yeah, exactly. It'd probably be you know a lot of fun. Oh, cool! They also have a uh, uh, if you go to their website, a minkpublishing dot com. A mink. A, I don't know how you say that. A mink, I guess. A M Inc. I guess. A M Inc. A M Inc. Publishing. Uh, they also put out the unmasked biography of um, Kane Hodder. Oh, sweet. Oh, a lot of cool stuff up there. Well, it actually seems like a lot of horror stuff there. So check them out. Get your, get your horror books. Read books. Yes, agree. Always. I good. say I say that as a man who doesn't read many books. Yep. <laughs> but you're a fan of books. Yes, I do. Li- I do listen to a lot of books. Uh, uh, one of my walks, I will listen to books once in a while. I'm, listen- I'm getting too many different things from AM Inc. Mm-hmm. A M Inc. Publishing. Publishing. Okay. Getting like porn or something. So it just uh, came up. I have just a too question many things. for people out there. I was invited to be press for um, the Porn Hub Awards. So, like, I could be in attendance. I, pro- I definitely, I can't say definitely. I'm probably not going to do that just because I'm invited to a lot of. Uh, festivals that i would like to do and that i would definitely would rather do a festival than, than the porn hub awards uh, but but it, nonetheless it's very cool to be invited and uh and possibly interviews but the thing i have to be honest i'm really not people think i lie when i say this i'm not and i'm not judging anyone who's into the into the pornography but i don't know anything about the subject like I don't know that they like they mentioned these. I don't know who any of these actors are. They mentioned I, I don't know directors of, of foreign films, uh, so I'm not necessarily interested. But do I, so I mentioned this on Facebook. But like I would say, majority of people are like, you got to do this. Like it's a big deal. But I don't know. So first of all, I'm not that interested in it, and I don't know how it looks for potential guests. Like if they look, but maybe that maybe I'm wrong there because if I think about it. You know, like Howard Stern's interviewed a lot of porn people, and he has huge guests. Not that uh, comparing us to Howard Stern in any right. way, but so my, my, I'm just asking: Do you think that would hurt potential the idea of potential potential guests coming on a podcast if they know like you've done uh, stuff with the with the Pornhub Awards? I I wouldn't think so, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah. But I didn't even right. know the Pornhub Awards was such a thing. So I didn't know either until I, I emailed. I may not be like you know the person to ask. I guess. Yeah, I really thought Pornhub was just like a pirate site where like people just like pirate pornography and put up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's not the case. I, I, well, I that's what I still assume it, but it must not be because oh. I wouldn't think like 
legit uh, porn star. Legit porn star. Well, I, I know you know. That's another taboo. You're supposed to see your sex workers. Sex work is real work, and you're not supposed to stream sex workers. But, but uh, so I wouldn't think like a legit uh, uh, porn stars would be involved in this awards if it was just like a piracy slate. Because it wouldn't right. be like the Pirate Bay Awards where people go. <laughs> Like the most, then celebrate, you know, their movies being torrented. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Hooray! <laughs> Look at all the money we've lost because of this. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Rene Merced on the Facebook, he was, uh, I want to know if we've ever been to the Wealthy Elite Drive In. It was listed as the top 10 uh, drive ins in the country. No kidding. This is in Massachusetts, and I've never been. I don't think Troy's been either. No, we always talk about going. Every summer, we we always talk about it, and we've never been. Because it's weird, because um, the the flea market we used to go to that used to be in Mashpee, um, what was it called? Uh, Dick and Ellie's. I guess they are there during like the uh, the week early on, you know, before it's uh, nighttime and they show movies. So they have a flea market during the day and then the the drive-in at night. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I was almost going to say centuries, but it was a previous century that uh, that I last attended the drive-in. <laughs> true, true. I'm fucking Buck Rogers here. <laughs> you you know whenever I see uh, Gil Gerard, I always think mm-hmm. of you. Tried to get Jill, Gil Gerard on the on a Insider Hype podcast, but hasn't worked out yet. As of yet, that's yeah. probably because you called him Jill and he got pissed. <laughs> Could be. Could be. <laughs> By the way, if you do enjoy the interviews here, which I assume you do, or else I don't know why you're listening. <laughs> You Maybe listen to get angry. You're like those sons of bitches. Hey, that is guys. that is an that is a thing of the internet. Like hate listening. Really? So that's yeah. an actual thing. Oh yeah, people will listen to podcasts stuff that they hate just to bitch about. It's very bizarre. Wow. See, I've, I've never understood that. It's like I don't know. either. I've been victim of it. <laughs> like, you know, music that I don't like. Well, guess what? I, I don't listen to or movies right. that I don't like or, you know, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, you might see watch it once and then that's yeah. it. You wouldn't be like, God damn, I'm going to watch this every fucking week. <laughs> Just hate it. That's like, you know, going to a restaurant, you don't like or something like, man, this food always sucks, but right. I'm going to keep going back there. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So if you no. go away, if you like this. And you would like to hear uh, more interviews like this, but maybe in a different genre. Uh, but sometimes movies, sometimes all different pop culture, whatever. Mm-hmm. Check out InsideYourHead.club. And uh, there's all kinds of cool interviews. Some almost in the horror world, but usually stuff that doesn't quite fit here will go on Inside Your Head. Check it out. Oh, and Good I love stuff. them. Uh, great Thanks. show, Neil. Like, you do such a, such a great job on that. I don't think there's been one um, interview that I haven't enjoyed. Thank you. I appreciate it. Recently, Burt Ward was on from Batman. Great time. Robin. And uh, just last week, I'm going to say the zombies. You're going to think, oh, man, he had somebody from a George Romero movie. But no, (laughs) it's Colin Blunston, lead singer of the band The Zombies. And I did ask him about the origin of the name because the band The Zombies predate uh, you know, Romero films. So like, uh-huh. you know, 
To find out, go and listen to the interview. It's I like interview. it. So we have a caller here on the line, by the way, if anyone else wants to call in, it's 508-413-3144, or you can Skype in without your head. Who is he just hung up? Oh, she. Maybe they did. Are you still there? 913 area code. Hello. I think they hang up. Oh, man. They're, scared they're him with the zombie scared. talk, Chief. Yes, so. All right. So I just got this email. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with horror, but by God, this sounds bizarre. <laughs> I, was, I was invited. Uh, I said earlier about invited to the Porn Hub Awards. This mm-hmm. one is much more bizarre. We're pleased to announce that the Architecture and Design Film Festival, the nation's largest film festival devoted to architecture and design, will return to New York for its 11th season. That that has you written all over it, Chief. So not only did someone think, I'm going to make a, uh, a film festival, festival about architectural <laughs> film. It's been going on for 11 years. There's enough people to, to 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 have an audience for a decade. I didn't know they made that many movies about such I didn't a know thing either about architecture. Yeah, no. I'm gonna look. At, I'm kind of. I kind of actually want to interview people. Yeah, now you're gonna to, right. Oh. This could be your new passion. You never know. Now so I you see, you start out making fun of it, and now it's it it might turn into your new thing. Nine one three hung up again. Listen, if you call in and we're in mid-sentence, just wait five seconds. Yeah. We're not just going to, like, I'm just not even going to finish my sentence and be like, oh, we got a caller in one. Just wait a second, we'll get right to you. <laughs> ah, crazy. Crazy train here. Speaking of crazy train, Mr. Uh, Robbie Scar uh, is very excited oh. about scary stories to tell in the dark coming out. Very nice. And that comes out tomorrow, doesn't it? does. I mean, probably tonight. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what, world? Just stop saying this movie premieres Friday, because it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Thursday is just the new Friday. Thursday. Yeah. It's not a sneak preview if you show it all day Thursday. It's just that's <laughs> yeah, the day. Yeah, with you know. every movie that comes out. You know, it's not right. like just certain movies. Yeah, it used to be the big blockbuster. It had one. It had one showing at midnight on Thursday. Yep. Now I'm, oh, I'm wondering, Neil. Oh, I'll I'll wait till you finish. No, you finish. You finish. Do you think, finish. like, in three years from now, or five years, or something, these are all going to be like, well, Wednesday night is the sneak preview. Probably. You know? once in a while, it's a Tuesday. Oh, okay. I. Actually, last weekend when I was at the movies, there was a uh, like a sneak peek for like a movie like um, that comes out like next week, I guess, or weeks from now. Oh, really? And I was like, oh shit! I wonder what this is. And it was like, like all dogs go to heaven too, or something <laughs> like something. I had no interest in. That's probably not the movie, but it was something like that. Something about dogs. Well, There's all these movie movies about dogs. Out, it looks like the exact same movie that's already been out in the sequel. Yeah. Like A Dog's Purpose. And now it's Kevin Costner as the voice of the dog doing the exact same movie, it looks like. Yeah. What did, did someone do? Like, uh, did, they, did they do a survey? Like, what? And people are just like, we really miss dog movies. And like, oh, we're talking we dog make, movies, man. Yeah, we got to make two. 
2019 will be the move, the year of the talking dog. <laughs> the year of the, the self-narrated dog movie. <laughs> like, what the hell? Why are there so many? There has to be a reason. Maybe there isn't a reason. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. Because I, I did see uh, like the trailer for that one, and and I didn't didn't understand at all. No, me neither. So I'm like, like they just make this movie like just yeah. a minute ago. Right. But it wasn't Kevin Costner; it was somebody else's no. dog's voice. So scary stories to tell in the dark. It's opening. It's well, it's open today, but tomorrow. I'm gonna go see it. I'm very excited. I think it looks awesome from the from the trailers and all, all the visuals. I've never read any of the books, but it looks cool to me. The books have the the scariest illustrations that I've ever seen in a book, like a children's book. Yeah, I mean these are like straight up, like just um, they wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, if you found out it was. Um, like Bernie Wrightson or somebody like they're like legitimately terrifying looking illustrations. And I don't know, like if the stories are the same, I've never read it. And then by the time I wanted to read it, like they had taken it out of our library. So, so I'd like uh, to like to get a copy. Our former guest, Mark Steger of uh, stranger things who played uh, the Demogorgon. He plays two of the monsters in this movie. Oh, really? That's awesome. That's very exciting. Yeah, very nice. I dig it. So, well, thank you for bringing that up, Robbie Scott. I'm looking for. I did see some people talk about the fact that it's like, uh, it's like uh, aimed for young audiences, but I don't think it's in any way. I haven't seen it, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't yeah. think it's like a children's movie. It's a PG-13 movie, so like, yeah, some younger. And that really just means there's a, like f bombs. People are yeah. going, "Fuck you, monster." <laughs> You know, but I but, mean, you know, if it's spooky, it's spooky. You know, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, and I think it's it's good, like getting something that like a younger audience could view too. You know, if you had a bunch of like thirteen year olds or something, they wanted to see a horror flick and they couldn't get into, you know, the new R rated flick. So, mm-hmm. and doesn't Guillermo del Toro is he producing, directing, or something about this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the producer. Cool. Yeah. For a while, you like, saw Guillermo everywhere, and now I haven't seen much of him lately. Yeah. Well, last week he was. Um, they gave. Um, was a, I don't know if he was given a star, but they they honored him on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, nice. Oh, that's good. Which we're invited to, and so I tried to get uh, some of our friends over in uh, in Hollywood Town to go. But uh, apparently it filled up very quickly, which is oh, okay. But it's very yeah. cool to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, Guillermo seems like a good good scout, so I wish him all the best. Yeah, I think that guy's gonna go places. Yep, yep. He's all right. So uh, I just see I saw this on JoeBlow dot com, and it's like, well, no. Shit, dumbass! The uh, the producer of, of the Mummy, the recent Mummy movie, says the dark universe should have been built up slowly. No, no shit. way! Really? That's crazy. Really, shouldn't have just been thrown together instantly. <laughs> but like, we want uh, we want this Marvel payoff without paying the dues to get to the Marvel payoff. Exactly. Which is the same thing like DC. Well, you know, you guys have seen Batman in a movie. You've seen Superman. So here's the Justice League. 
you know, you don't need to know any of these other fucking people. Yeah, I mean, the Marvel ones were built slowly. Yeah, and that's what makes them work, you know. You just can't, you know, throw everybody together and go, okay, here, here it is. Yeah. This is something I can't get. Like, I'm not even going to defend all the Marvel movies because some of them I don't really care for. Right. Uh, some of them I think are great movies. Mm-hmm. Even the bad ones I don't think are, ne- are like terrible movies. I just don't really like them. Right. But I don't get the idea of, like, the hate and thinking that they shouldn't be made. Like, people saying, like, I wish, you know, they would stop making these uh, Marvel movies. They've ruined Hollywood, I've heard people say. <laughs> I just don't wow. understand. I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Like, maybe someone needs to explain it to me. Maybe I'm dense, but, like, I don't see how it stops other movies from me. And if people pay to see them, then that's what they're going to make. Yep, yep. I mean, it's yeah, not if like people don't want to see why, it. Yeah, yeah, why um, does that bother anybody? Right. You know, if you're a big fan of the romantic comedy, you're still going to get those movies. They're still going to be available. Right. Not like these movies are being made exclusively. There are no other movies out there anymore. And um, I, also, I mean, he, I think they're better than <laughs> like Fast and the Furious and Transformers, yeah, right, GI right. Joe. There's worse shit out there. Yeah, or just, or even if you like, I don't know, they're just as bad. Any, well, I honestly think they're way better, but I don't see how those are like how those would be better movies for some reason. Yeah, maybe just because like there there is a fan base for these and it makes people upset. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't. I'm always uh, kind no. of a proponent of like you know, hey, watch what you like, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, I I don't like those other movies, but I'm not like saying like they shouldn't be made. Right. I right. Just, yeah. I just don't go see them. I, yeah, I'm I not couldn't even go see, see Calvin and Hobbes, but if you want to go see, or whatever the hell it is, Larry yeah. and Hobbes. Yeah, I agree. I, I almost, I'm because I could have saw it for you know free in quotations because I pay twenty bucks a month for the uh, oh, the pass thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I could, but I really didn't even want to see it for free. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, but I don't again, think I'm you're gonna hate say, on anybody for you know for no. watching. Or I think Hollywood yeah. for making them. So our mom loved it, and I'm yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't think they shouldn't be made. Yep. People obviously want to watch them, so what? <laughs> what the hell? I don't care. Yep. There's other stuff out there I want to see. So, right, like I'm probably not going to go. Well, I can't say probably. I can guarantee I'm not going to go see Dora the Explorer. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, right. I don't care if somebody else goes to see it. That's cool. Right. right. Another uh, thing I'm very excited about. And so I tracked Dora the man the down. No. There is a documentary about him, uh, Gary Kent, who's a stuntman and actor since the 50s, and he's still active. Wow. Uh, so they made a, a movie about him, a documentary, which I haven't watched yet, but I, I've heard it's good. So I'm going to be watching that. And um, he's one of the guys. There's several people that uh, the character is based on in the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the uh, Brad Pitt character. But one of the guys... And specifically, um, the uh, the stuff at Spawn Ranch with, with the Manson family is uh, based on Gary Kent, who is a, a they said a stuntman. He actually uh, worked with Bruce Lee, so I don't know if the Bruce Lee stuff is it was oh. you know uh, fired by him and all, but we will find out about this because he's going to be on the show. But he did have an altercation with the Manson family on Spawn Ranch. Oh no, kidding. 
I don't know how loosely you know this is based on or what, but it's going to be very interesting to talk to him. Plus, he's wow. been in movies for 50 years, so he's going to be on the show next week. Very oh, exciting. that's totally awesome. I always loved stuntmen, Neil. That's one of, like, one of the coolest things. When I was a little kid, that's what I always wanted to be. Really? Yep. Not too late. Well, probably is too late. Yeah, probably is. 51, I don't think... Uh, well, we can put it's you a in good something. time to start. That's yeah, it's probably, it's probably not a wise. Something or, you know. It's probably not a wise decision. No, no, That's no. I'm probably a little more breakable now than I used to be. So he was even the stunt coordinator in like some uh, Bubba Hotep. I know say Reese. Oh, sweet. Not that old, you know. Wow. And, and some Reese movies like Bone Hill Road. Huh. Uh, werewolf movie. But he, he awesome. was doing stuff back in the 50s. Oh, that's just wild, yeah. Fine. He was, uh, let's see, he was in The Man from Uncle. Oh, wow. Green Hornet. Was, you know, both those. Oh, six. okay. So that was like his Bruce Lee thing, huh? Yeah. There was a movie here. I can't remember it now, but it had like a big, um, like ape. A big nice. ape movie. Yeah. I don't know. Check him out on IMDb. It's just okay. a Brazilian thing. Well, that should be a ton of fun then. Satan Sadist. Now that sounds like a movie. <laughs> the Mighty Gorga. Oh, I remember that one. So he um is he in the suit? I don't know. He actually he was actually an actor in that. He played Arnold Shot. Oh, no wow. That's very exciting. He was in one million BC. Oh, nice. One million ACDC. Which, is that just the same movie? Because they show the same post. I don't know. Maybe it has uh, a different title in different places. Yeah. Played Olaf. But it's going to be very cool. Very excited oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's that's tremendous. I love that. Yeah. He seems like a good dude. I talked to him a little bit. Uh, we're also going to be having uh, the man who created Terror TV on the show. This is kind of a. It's a new horror um, platform, a new uh, streaming site. Oh, wow. TV, and they want to come on and talk about it, so that's going to be very exciting. Oh, yeah, that's great. Glad there's a lot of things like this going around. Yep, I don't think there can ever be too many things. Yeah, I mean, well, there can be. Oh, but yeah, yeah, but options are always good. Right, right. So I, I finally saw, you mentioned this last week, Zombie Tidal Wave. So I got to see the trailer of this. Oh, <laughs> what'd you think of the trailer? I think it, I, like, I'm not a huge, I'm not Sharknado really into these kind of guy. movies. No, they're not really for me. But this one does look fun. Uh, oh, I, yeah. Yep. It, kind, it has the same uh, sense of humor, I guess, same like tone of the Sharknado yeah. movies. But. Well, even the same guy starring in it. Yeah, there, and the guy, same guy directing it. Oh, okay. So I, I'll watch. I'll check it out. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think it'll be fun, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If I hate it, I'll, I'll yell at you. <laughs> you can blame me for this one. Uh, My Hunter Season 2 starts August 16th. Very exciting. Oh, very nice. Um, The Terror Season 2 starts next ah, week. That was an amazing show. I know this we, season will be about a different story. but uh, literally. We just started watching Season 1. Um, oh, really? They're, they're showing oh, all the episodes this week, you know, so you can catch up before Season 2 starts. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I love. Oh, it's an amazing show. I think you'll. Oh, I'm loving it so far. Yeah, because I, I love all the actors involved. You know, the I wish I knew the guys by name, but um, the one guy that was Mance Raider on um, uh, Game of Thrones. You know, he's the big admiral guy. Yeah. And um, the guy that was Moriarty in uh, the the movie uh, Sherlock Holmes, the more recent ones. Mm-hmm. He's like the other captain guy. And I love both of those guys. So so far I'm digging it. And the new one looks really good too. And George Takei's in it. Oh really? Which is pretty neat because it's about um I don't know what they called them. They didn't I obviously they didn't call them like concentration camps, but they were where they put like the Japanese Americans during World War Two. Yeah, after they, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And and Takei was actually one of the you know he was a kid then yeah, but, yeah you know yeah. he was actually in one of these camps and uh, and so he's starring in it so I thought that was kind of cool yeah sweet yeah I'm really looking forward to it is it does it have a horror like a uh, tinge to it oh know? big time big okay. time it, there's some kind of like Japanese um, like legendary monster or zombie or something that's in this camp with them. Oh, You'll wow. have to watch the trailer, Neil, because the trailer looks really, really intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. yeah, definitely looking forward to that. So I, I do know uh, in the in the new Mine Hunter, I know they're going to have Manson in it. Nice. I think the son of Sam. Oh, really? I, so. I thought the Manson looked real good, though. Whoever he the does. actor is has like yeah. the perfect look. I, I saw that yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis is going to direct uh, Venom 2. No kidding. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. Hey, good for him. I, I always liked Andy Serkis. So. Yeah, I did too. Good stuff. And I think I think he'll go down as... I think he should get... I know people know him, but I think he should get even more credit for the guy that's really... He's like the godfather of like the... the I don't know what the technology is called. Motion like capture or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He's the guy that's really been the man. Like the all the like the real memorable performances of that is Andy Serkis, you know, King Kong, oh my God, yeah. Gollum, yep. and then the Plane of the Apes movies. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's done it better. And he was like the first guy, and yeah, you know, like um, really when you think about it. Most of those characters are pretty forgettable, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of like Thanos and um, and then the Andy Serkis characters. Mm-hmm. You know, most of those like just big um, guys that look like cave trolls, they all just kind of blend together. Mm-hmm. I agree. So uh, Adam Wingard's going to direct the uh, Event Horizon series coming to Amazon. Uh, he did uh, Your Next and the New Blade. Oh, Witch. wow. He's doing a Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, okay. Nice. So that that's cool. Cause that's a movie that I think <laughs> is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's a lot of cool elements to it. Overall, I don't think it's great, mm-hmm. but there's definitely like a lot of very good stuff about it. So that's something I think you should redo. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the kind of thing you'd like to see redone. Yeah, and as a series, you have more time to, to you know, tell the story. So I think it, it works well for a series. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're living in yes. an exciting time with all these uh, 
streaming sites that, that gets these very cool series. Oh, you're not kidding. Just like between the streaming stuff and then the stuff you see on, you know, HBO or, you know, any of that jazz and all the AMC things and just just some great stuff. Just like it's such an, ex- like you said, an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Because, you know, there wouldn't have been very unlikely we would have ever seen a uh, Event Horizon series like on right. CBS or something. Yep. And when does... Um, or a creep oh, show. Oh, yeah. When does that start up? You just read my mind on that one. Yeah. Uh, I know it's coming up soon because it's always getting talked about, but I'm not sure what date. Okay. But I just know it's, I think it's this year, but I'm not sure when. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I'll, everyone knows I love Creep Show. Oh yeah, so I think that's that'll that'll be great. Yeah, I hope it's great. Right, right. That's see, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's awesome, but then it also like it it could really um, disappoint you. Yeah, it's putting pressure on it. It's true. So they're but doing then again, a- the number three like kind of took the pressure off a little bit. That's true. Oh, that movie. <laughs> That's Even the second one, which I always liked as a kid, I watch it now, and it's enjoyable, but it's nothing. It's not even close to the first movie. No, no. That one, yeah. That one, it's, it's a letdown compared to the, the first one. I yeah. think part of it's because there's only three stories. Yeah, three stories. The first one goes on for an eternity. <laughs> it's true. It's that the Indian one, the the yeah. wooden Indian guy. Yeah. yeah, and it's all set up and very little payoff. It's 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 not paced well at all. Right. And then so it's it's kind of like it's kind of boring, honestly. Um, I like the idea of it, and I think the Indian looks awesome. Oh yeah, yep. But it should have got to the point a little quicker than maybe prolonging yeah. the death a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, they could have they could have added a whole nother, you know, one or two chapters in that one if yeah. they and know. it's just, and it's obvious this the it doesn't have the feel of the first movie. It doesn't have the comic book feel, it doesn't have right. the, the cool uh comic booky you know, ends where it's got all the color behind them and mm-hmm. stuff. Agreed. It takes away from it. Yep. I still like it, but it's just it's not nearly as good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as much fun. But uh, so they're doing a spinoff of uh, the Puppet Master movies. How many? Oh pop- no, kidding! This must be like one of the biggest franchises ever. Like a different turn. No enough. kidding! So they're doing a, a straight up Blade movie. Not oh, Blade, no way. The Vampire, but yeah. Oh, Blade, the Iron Cross. He's really gone into the Nazi realm in these later. Yeah. Movies. <laughs> That's true. I like, just I know recently they watched kind of that there. one, the, uh, yeah. the the most recent one. Uh huh. Oh, I like that one. Pretty good. Yeah, I did too. I did too. It was, it was a little dark on some of the ones. Yeah. Like, honestly, people said there's a negative, but kind of like they're all pretty dark. And... Oh yeah. I mean, like you could say that the puppets are a little bit lovable and stuff, but when it comes right down to it, they're killing people. Yeah, yeah. And there's always been the element of the Nazis there, but like they really just went. <laughs> what well, what's the name of the one that like spins his head or his face around? You Jester? The, yeah, there wasn't enough of him in it. That was my only problem with that one. The most recent one. 
I agree with that. Yes, yeah, I like. I think whoever made it didn't, must not have liked it. Maybe. Yeah. It was too much of that blade one. Yeah. Oh, see, I think that's the thing. People like it. Like yeah. they pick a fa- It's kind of like the the later um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. People get obsessed with Leatherface, and then it's like they get to the point where that they cut out all everyone else, and it's just Leatherface movies. And I think all those are, are bad, terrible. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're bad movies anyway, but <laughs> like the family element is what is yeah, one of the cool parts of different. the movie. Yeah. And not seeing like so much Leatherface, it makes it better. It makes it cooler when you do see him. Oh yeah, In then fact, it's kind of special when you do see him. Yeah, you know, it's like the Jaws thing. If Jaws was nonstop in the movie, would it be the same? I don't think so. Right, right. Then you'd just be bored to death. You'd be like, okay, had enough of this. Yeah, we need Grandpa. Be Sharknado. Yeah. Now and later in life, I think the best character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the cook. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's awesome. Not that I dislike Leatherface, but it's it's the whole family unit. Oh, yeah. Yep. Makes it different than, than other slashers. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Then when you when you do just fixate on Leatherface, then it makes it more typical. Oh, yeah. Of, and yeah, even and the though, fact that he doesn't speak or anything, you know, kind of limits him anyway. So you kind of, yeah. if you have the other characters to play off of that. Right. It's otherwise like having Harpo without, you know, Groucho and the boys. It's right. Just, it doesn't work. Exactly. exactly. That would be a bit weird. Or just... No. Uh, just Chico? Yeah, just Teller. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Teller without Ben, right? Yeah. Ben Gillette going, wait yeah. a minute. How come yeah. nobody knows Teller's full name? You know, Penn Gillette's full name. That's a good point. Good point. He does. Joe I have, Teller? I watched an interview with him recently, though. Oh, did Teller. you really? Yeah. yeah. It was like, I was it was cool at first, but I was like, I don't know. I'd kind of rather if I never hear him speak. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was good, though. I didn't know he was a lot older than, than Penn. Oh, is he? I didn't know that either. I just like guess I assume that uh, that they were the same age. Yeah, he was like a teacher at a school, at different schools. So, but uh-huh. I don't know. They, they, I forget how they met, but it's interesting. Hmm. They're the longest uh, running Vegas act ever now. Longest running uh, headlining act of all time. Oh, no kidding. Wow, that's kind of shocking. Yeah. Oh, another cool thing. We were uh, contacted by the, the the fine makers of this this fantastic film called Bad CGI Sharks. Nice. And uh, so we're going to be having uh, the makers of Bad CGI Sharks on the show. <laughs> I, I love they it. Have a, they have an amazing poster, I have to say. Very nice. Nice throwback stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. This will be fun. Oh, I think that, yeah. They had me just with the title. Yeah, if you're going to make that kind of movie, own it. Yep, yep. Don't pretend like you're making like something decent. <coughs> I yep. haven't seen it, though. I don't know what like the tone or anything is yet, but it'll be fun to talk to him either way. Yeah, you got to think with that title, they're not taking it too seriously. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Citizen Kane. <laughs> it could be, you never know. That would be weird. That would be funny. If you, if you watch it, you're like, this movie's just as good as Jaws. 
I didn't expect this. How do they? This is something I don't know because, like, I've seen these sites saying that how much uh, the new Rambo movie is going to make its opening weekend. Like, how do they know this stuff? Yeah, I think that's just like a complete and total guess. Right, and and if they knew, then why why do some movies fail and some movies are <laughs> big hits that they don't expect? They would just exactly. make nothing but hits. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of foolish. This there. Yeah, I don't believe this shit. Bunch of malarkey, I say. I agree with you, man. I like to bring back the word malarkey. Malarkey's a good word. I think you can use that because you can use it in mixed company. Exactly. I do think there's too much cursing out there. Not like oh. I'm like Mr. Clean Cut, but it loses its impact is the thing. And oh, I think yeah. if you just swear all the time, it does make you sound dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You so have just what? a constant turret of it coming. Right. So I try to save the swears for when it's really needed. And in between that, I'm going to start saying like malarkey. That would be pretty awesome, I think. Balderdash. Mm. Gobbledygook. <laughs> then I'll just say that's fucking Balderdash, but then oh I totally it keeps the purpose of what I'm saying. No, I think I think that works then. Uh-huh. Balderdash is a good name. And that's just nothing but fucking malarkey right there. There we go. It does work. Now I think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So uh, go over to check out withoutyourhead.com. Go to the watching movies up at the top right. Our boy, Jason Mitten. He's, uh, he's, I was going to say he's hard at work, but he's not. He hasn't reviewed many movies here. But, oh, uh, man. But I know he's in preparation for the big Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival because he's going to have to be working overtime. But uh, check it out. There's, he has uh, recently uh, reviewed High on the Hog. Nice. That's a... Uh... Uh, oh, Mr. Sid Haig, right? Yeah. Yep. Sid Haig. So that's very fun. Check it out, folks. Do it Check it out. I was going to ask, ask you that, Neil. Now, do you guys have any special training, any special preparation when, you, when you're planning on going to mm. a, uh, a marathon-type festival where... They're going to be showing 8 million movies, and you guys will be, your ass will fall asleep by the time, you know, it's into the second day. Yeah, this will be the first time I've done such a thing since I've changed my lifestyle, so it's weird. So I'm like, I'm not going to, I can't drink a bunch of soda. I will drink coffee, so coffee's good. I might mm-hmm. get up and uh, exercise in the morning. Oh, okay. Not Maybe during I'll... the movie, though? No. Maybe I was thinking about this is probably too much to bring bringing like a blender so I could blend up like smoothies in the morning, but probably too much. I do have a travel blender. Oh, do you? Get some spinach. I don't. I don't know if I'll do all this stuff, but uh, maybe I'll just find a place to sell smoothies. Yeah, they're not as good. That's bad. Really. Oh, they're not. No. Homemade ones are usually better. Yeah, get a hydrate. Hydrate a lot. So a lot of water. Okay. Um, I, I can't bring any gimmicks with me because you know you can get might get arrested like traveling. Oh yeah, good point. So maybe See, I don't these know are the things the I never really thought of. Right, I don't know what the legality is in the area for uh, uh, for certain things. I, I think New York has pretty strict 
flaws and stuff like they that. They probably do. So yeah, I might I might just have to do without for for a week. Okay. Hmm. Got to eat a little better than last time, but just to stay awake for the movies, I think I am more alert now than I was last year. So I don't think I'll, I have... that'll be an issue for me. Okay. I got to try to eat well and, and, and get some, uh, maybe not like, you know, walking the 10 miles a day or nothing, but you have to stay, stay a little bit active though. Mm-hmm. Use the treadmill maybe in the, in the hotel. Well, there you go. See, that's, what's nice though about, uh, you know, most hotels have like some kind of workout facility. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I started using kettlebells. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up like how to use these, and there's like two, there's two like it seems like there's two distinct people that use kettlebells. It's like uh, like kind of like like uh, like young women like doing like aerobics. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like these hard like. Bald uh, Russians, you know, <laughs> and they're like yelling at me, calling me comrade, and like don't do it the easy way. And I'm like, holy fuck, these guys are scary. But so it'd be wow. kind of cool if I could find like something in between. But I've been, I've been, I've been studying the, the Russians. But no, maybe I, I need a little hard. Stick up. with I the don't... women. I think. I think. Yeah. I think you want to stick with that. Yeah, they're like telling you, let's like put your face to like a wall. And I'm like, what? And they're like, this is the hard way. And I'm like, well, just tell me the easy way. Why do I need to do it the hard way? And these are, these are the Russian guys? Yeah, it's just this mean Russian dude. It's like Uncle Ivan? Yeah, and he's bald, just like old wrestlers. Old evil Russians were always bald. Yeah. Wrestling. So maybe there's something to that. Yeah. He called me comrade, though, so that's nice, I guess. That is. That's, you feel kind of a kinship already with the guy, then. Yeah. And I was like, am I hacked? Because, you know, everyone's always talking about the Russian hacking. <laughs> Has my YouTube been hacked? What's going on here? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Does this mean you're making, like, the kettlebell great again? I won't make that exactly. That was the big thing about the Face app. It's a little fun app. It was cool for, like, a week. You know, like, hey, make myself look old. Make myself look young. And then you're like, okay, that's enough of that. But they were like, ah, oh, it's hacking your 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 selfies. It's like, well, what the fuck are they going to do with my selfies? And couldn't they just go and get these off, like, everyone's <laughs> Facebook? Like, why would they need to, to hack it? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Easy times, easy times. So, Jason, I I see him out there. I see he's, he's read my message. Get to work. Watch some movies. Get some reviews up. What the hell are you doing? What the fuck? What the bunch of malarkey? <laughs> Maybe he does his preparation in a different way. Maybe. It'd be. What do you think he's doing? Like meditating? I think he's like like a yogi. I think he's like folding himself up into a, like a like a footlocker. Hmm. And I think like he's just finding his inner peace. Hmm. That's what I'm thinking. I thought when he said he's like a yogi, he was like a bear. He's like oh, he might be. Like, I, I wanted a picnic basket. Oh man. Now, who would be the yogi and who would be the boo-boo in your relationship? Well, I'm always the top. All right, you're always yogi? 
Not to say there's hey, does that where all that comes from? Like the the bear and the cub and like the the gay community. Could Yogi be there's the there's kind of a sexy thing about about Yogi Bear. Yeah, I've always wondered too. What's with like the Chicago teams? Is it is it all like the Chicago sports teams? Is it all just like some weird like um? No, I mean there's nothing wrong with being gay, but right, right. it's just like there's a is it there's like this gay is it like a bear community where like the uh the the football team is like the tops for the for their baseball team? Oh, it could be because yeah. you got the bears and the cubs. That's true. What about the bulls? Do they fit in anywhere? I don't even know what that is. I have to go and look up. I'm like, gonna have uh, to consult with my. Uh, I don't know what the hell what a blackhawk should be. <laughs> Dirty stuff going on there. It's true. That could be the BBC. <laughs> could be wrong sport though. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else going on, my man? Um. Kind of think nope, nope. I think just the terror is out Monday. Um, scary stories comes out this weekend, mm-hmm. or now, or tomorrow, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. I think uh, like oh, well, um, I watched the uh, the finale of Nosferatu. Uh, uh-huh. I think it finished up, was it last Friday? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was excellent. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought uh, Jeremy Quinto, is that his name? Like the main guy in it, the guy that was Spock. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was, he was exceptional. I thought he did a really good job. And I think the old man makeup on him was some of the best I had seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought the first episode wasn't uh, real, but uh, you said it gets much better after the first episode. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Stick with it. See what you think, because I I really enjoyed it. And I'm not going to spoil it, but they leave it open-ended, so there might be a season two. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Anything else from you? Anything? I don't think so. I know there's some stuff come up on the show here. I'm gonna get up early and head out and and see. I might see the 10:40 showing of uh, 10:40 a.m. showing of scary stories to tell in the dark. Nice. If I get up that early. And uh, what else is on the plans for movie wise? Anything else you want to see this week? Uh let me check here. Let me see here. I know there was something else I was thinking about seeing. Let's see here. <laughs> Not Hobbs and Shaw. Well, I want to see The Kitchen. It's not a horror really? movie, but I think it looks good. Yeah. Oh. You don't think it looks good? No. I think it looks a lot like... Um, that's another one, kind of like the dog movie. I think that movie just came out like earlier in the summer. And it looks like that movie's exactly like the last movie, where it's a bunch of women that are trying to, like, you know pay off their husband's mob debts or whatever it was. Hmm. I can't remember what the other movie was called. What's the bravest? I think it's a uh, Asian movie here. Oh, okay. When the oil 
pipeline and the city harbor explodes due to a calculation error. A disgraced firefighter captain must put aside his grievances and team up with his former subordinate in order to save the city. That doesn't sound very good. (laughs) (laughs) Bring the soul, the movie. I don't know what that is either. Oh, I looked that up earlier. It's like a, uh, I guess it's a true story about some Korean boy band. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> that sounds right up your alley. <laughs> uh, Brian Banks, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, that's a, that's a dog movie, isn't it? The Art of Racing in the Rain. That's it. Yeah, that's the one where, um, yeah, it's just like the other dog movie, I think, only this has a different person. Uh, yeah. Our, ma- our mom loved Hobbs and Shaw. Maybe I'll give in and go see this damn movie. I don't know. Yeah, you can give it a shot. See what see what you think. The, thing, the good thing about it when it is free, like I could just leave. Yeah, that's true. Then you don't really feel bad. Yeah, but like, God, fuck this movie. It's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the it looks like the dumbest movie ever made from the from the previews. <laughs> like, but I'm not even like, I'm not even joking. Like this, it looks like it could be the dumbest film I've ever seen. Well, I mean, I guess it was Sharknado. So which movies end? That seems like the dumbest movie. The Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, it does. It does. Like, and then every time I see Idris in it, I just feel bad. I shouldn't. Cause he's probably making $20 million making that movie. Yeah, but it just seems like Idris, like you know, deserves a little better. I think. Yeah, I think he should do something better. I mean, Rock, he just makes any shit that he's offered. (laughs) Right, right. He he doesn't say no to anything. And same thing with the mumbly guy. You see him and more crap than he's weird. He'll be in like this a giant movie like this, and then he'll be in like some weird direct, uh, you know, red box like. (laughs) Yep. Like. It's weird to me. It's like maybe he just enjoys making those movies. So he doesn't, you know, I mean, if, too cool, if he does, that's cool. Because I know some oh, horror yes. guys who will do some big stuff just so they make enough money to do like the low budget horror movies they like. So maybe he just likes doing weird low budget action movies. I don't know. I could be, you know, like um, certain people probably do. They just like, you know, oh, it's kind of be fun. Yeah. It's just like if not, though, it's like if you'd make it. I don't know how much he makes, but it's weird. Like he would do these giant movies and then just like rubbish. You, I mean, a lot of the big movies are rubbish too. Honestly. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I know you don't really care for him, but he, I, I like Jason Statham. I don't really like oh, most okay. of his movies, but I like the guy. I like him. Oh, okay, he just mumbles too much for me. It just makes it very difficult for me to understand the man. I like it. I like mumblers. You like mumblers? Mm-hmm. I like certain mumblers. Like, you know, Brando was a mumbler. Mm-hmm. You got to see Crank 2. Crank 2. Crank is, is fine. But Crank 2, this is like... Who's the guy who made the Feast movies? Uh, John Gulliger. Oh, okay. Yep. This is like if John Gulliger at his craziest, like Feast 2 and 3 level John Gulliger, they said, go make an action movie. It would be Crank 2. It's fucking no crazy. It's just totally nuts. It's t- completely unrealistic. Don't, you know, <laughs> nothing could happen. 
But it's just totally insane. It's awesome. I I highly recommend it. Oh. No, I I didn't know. I guess watch Crank. It's it's okay. It's fine. But the second one, just batshit crazy. (laughs) Really? Crank High Voltage. That's the star. That's the star of the movie. That's the star of the franchise. Is it? Okay. Definitely. I don't know if they ever did another one. I don't think so. <laughs> it's too fucking nuts. I don't know. Like, I'm sure people who like like action movies probably didn't like it because it's just too wacko. Uh-huh. But it's a good movie I like. It's made for like I guess like people who like really like obscure like ex- exploitation movies. Okay. But yet it's like disguised as a you know. Like a traditional action movie, but it's nothing like a traditional action movie. <laughs> All right, now I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by this. Right. So I don't know what audience is made. For. It's made for me, I guess. Okay. <laughs> They're like, let's make a movie nasty deal. With it. Hmm. And it, it's crank too. I recommend it. So any of the people listeners out there don't like really like action movies, go see Crank Two. It's awesome. Even if you do like action movies, but like you like you also like you know you know really whack, wacky movies, watch mm-hmm. watch that and Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage. Those two are just <laughs> Drive Angry. Yeah, and don't read what Drive Angry is about about because I didn't know. So I'm watching. I'm thinking this is just so dumb. I love it. And then like <laughs> stuff's explained a little bit, and it's still, it's still I still like it. But if you don't know the big the big idea about the movie, I don't know, there's something magical about it. So watch it. So what? Um, all right, now I I have to know like what what exactly about it did. So you're probably not gonna watch it, or what? I I don't know. Should I drive angry? Yeah. I would. It's awesome. All right. It's it's something you think I would enjoy? Yes. Yes. Oh, you okay. probably will think you won't for a while, but then you'll end up like. So okay. there's there's a scene with Nicolas Cage. Here's a something I'll give you. He's right. banging a woman. Mm-hmm. And like so we, and a group of hit, banging a woman and drinking a bottle of whiskey at the same time. And a group of hitmen <laughs> come into the hotel room to kill him, all armed. And he never stops banging the woman or drinking the whiskey, but also kills all the hitmen. Wow. He's having a shootout fight while he's he's still inside the woman, having sex with her and drinking a bottle of whiskey. Nice. All right. Now he's multitasking to the extreme. Right. Right. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? So. (laughs) All right. See, I'm kind of a fan of like kind of crazy old Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some of those early awesome. movies that I really enjoy with him. Uh-huh. And then there's a huge dry period in the middle. But now that he's old and kind of creepy and crazy, yeah. I, I've kind of really enjoyed his movies. Yeah, like, I agree. Mandy, I think it's, I think that's yeah, his masterpiece. Yep. That's awesome. This, this isn't as good as Mandy. I mean, it's more like... That's, Stupid, but it's awesome. <laughs> Worth watching. Oh yeah. I found the uh, movie I was thinking about though, Dale. It's called Widows. Hmm. And yeah. that movie, The Kitchen, looks exactly like this movie, Widows. Oh, okay. 
I saw this interview with Nicolas Cage. It's a series, and they're kind of cool. They just, I don't know. It's a pretty big site that has because they all have giant stars. And, like, they just go over all their, like, key performances and just tell quick stories about it. So it's pretty cool. But while he's doing it, he's got this, like, obscene ring on. I don't mean obscene like it's got, like, a big, like, engorged penis or something. <laughs> it's just, like, the size of, like, his fist, like, the stone on it. Nice. So it's so ridiculous. Like, no, like, it's like something like an ancient king would have worn. Like <laughs> like the size of his fist yeah and it's like why would anyone in their right mind which that answers my question I guess, wear something like that like it's so <laughs> gaudy and silly but he's got it on during the during this interview and i just you can't take your 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 eyes off of it okay all right this is so good <laughs> all right all right you've you've convinced me i will see that one there you where go. do i find it um, where do you find that? Oh, it's on YouTube. Oh, okay, good. All right. I, now I'm starting to worry about Idris O'Neill. Because, like, you know, from this Calvin and Hobbes movie, and he's going to be in the new Cats movie. So maybe right. Idris isn't quite as cool as I thought he was. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, man. The live-action cats, I think that's got, like, just garbage looks, written all over. It looks horrible. It does. It looks really bad. I'm not a fan of cats to begin with. Well, I like cats. Yeah, I like the actual animals, cats. Right. But, yeah, yeah, the musical, not one of my favorites either. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried about them. I, I don't know, like. He's just making bad choices, or what's going on? I I I, I got to be like honest with you anyway, Neil. About uh, oh, who's the guy that made Cats? Like the the play, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right. I I gotta tell you, I think besides the Phantom, I kind of hate most of his shit. Really? Yeah, I I, I don't like Cats. I'm not a fan of. Uh, of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. Didn't, I like, didn't like the, you know, the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Didn't like a lot of stuff I don't like by that guy. I don't think there's anything else I like by that guy besides The Phantom. Mm-mm. I hate the sequel to The Phantom. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of, did he do hair? Or is that somebody else? Uh, I, I don't really know. Okay, I might be giving them, like, you know, stuff that Avita I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I just, I think he should have just done the Phantom and then just, like, you know, offed himself or something. <laughs> I think that was it, you know? Yeah. He should have been born, like, 50 years old, made the Phantom, and then just went away. Right. I love yeah, the Phantom. I, I can watch a Phantom oh, over, yeah. and over and over again. But that's it for me. All right. Well, a big thanks to Joe Castro. Absolutely. Tremendous guest, and we hope to have him on again sometime. Exactly. I'm sure we will. He kind of reminded me a little bit of myself there with his famous monsters and, you know. I know. I was thinking going on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
Very cool. Uh, we didn't have a, a music of the month this year because um, this month because uh, the the one that was going to do it uh, didn't send me stuff in time, and so and it's a short month. So instead, I'm just going with best of. So I'm playing a bunch of uh, cool tunes that I personally like from oh, nice. uh, previous uh, music of the months uh, throughout the years. So last week I played Murder Rock and Tumanic Cage. Uh, this week, I'm not sure. I just picked a bunch of stuff that's playing during the live show. But uh, when I put this show together, I'll pick a few tunes that I really dig. And it will be in the podcast that you're listening to right now. And the links will be on the website to check out those bands and give them some love on their Facebook or social media or buy their stuff on their websites. Nice. That's that's excellent because it's kind of cool. You kind of get to revisit and say, oh, my God, I forgot about these guys. Like, you know, I really liked them. I'm going to check them out again. Right. All right. Till next week, this is Nasty Neal. This is Terrible Troy. This is without your head. Taking off to the Wonderscape Jet Rocket Spaceship Jet Rocket